This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Dogs play here. 1080. Holy catfish. The fan. The home of prime time with Isaac and Sue is KFXX, KWJJ HD2, Portland. He was not in my kitchen. Are you I'll... certain that he wasn't in my kitchen? 1080 The Fan, a radio.com sports station. Now, now, from the Toyota of Portland Sports Desk, a Sports Center update on 1080 The Fan. First on the fan, following college football's championship games this weekend, the final college football playoff rankings will be released on ESPN with their rankings show, which is kicking off right now over on ESPN. The committee has a tough decision for the top overall seed after LSU dominated Georgia yesterday, while Ohio State had to come from behind against Wisconsin to get the Big 12 championship. Meanwhile, Clemson expected to be the third seed after dominating Virginia, leaving just the fourth seed in question and up for grabs, which is expected to go to Oklahoma after Utah fell to Oregon. In the NFL, the drama of Antonio Brown refuses to go away with smoke engulfing the Patriots and Brown and the rumors of a reunion after being released prior to week two due to the sexual assault allegations. Despite reported uh, support from all pro quarterback Tom Brady, ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting the Patriots will not bring back Brown. However, there is enough interest around the league, according to agent Drew Rosenhouse, that Brown should resurface on a team with the league has concluded it, uh, its investigation of Brown. After firing head coach Ron Rivera on Tuesday, the Carolina Panthers retained linebacker Shaq Thompson, according to Schefter, signing a four-year, $54 million extension on Saturday. Thompson has a career-high 93 tackles and three sacks so far this season. And the New York Giants have officially ruled out quarterback Daniel Jones, bringing back veteran Eli Manning under center. Some other inactives and um, actives around the league. Running back Lavian Bell will not suit up for the Jets today. Will Fuller is also going to miss his matchup with the Broncos due to a hamstring strain. Patriots will have both Julian Edelman and Mohamed Sanu available in Oakland. Running back Josh Jacobs is a game-time decision with a fracture in his shoulder. More sports scores and stories in 30 minutes. I'm Jesse Osmond from Toyota Portland Sports Desk. Buy any car in 85 minutes or less with 85 and drive. ToyotaPortland.com uniquely different. It's the fan on FM. Go to 99.5 FM HD2 and enjoy high def 1080 the fan. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. This is Football Sunday on the Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 
It has been a very long time since the two of us have sat in this room together. Yeah, lots, lots changed in here. A lot has changed. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, we have been off the air for, what, three weeks now? Something like that, man. It's, it's good to see you guys. Yeah, it's good to see you guys. We, uh, we were off last week because we had in the early morning the Niners-Ravens game. And since I was out of town, they were like, oh, let's just play the football game. I don't know if you were really happy about that. I texted you and you were like, man, I no, wanted to do a show. No, like we, we've, got, <laughs> we've missed everything. Like I feel like it's been like three weeks and there's been some pretty significant things that happen in like at least in college football and, you know, that, that involve local teams. So, yeah, man, it was uh, the Beavers possibly winning a six game. All type of stuff was happening. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, we, we missed a lot, but it was nice to have a little bit of a refresher. Get some Sunday mornings back. Be able to sleep in a little bit, not have to worry about it too much. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your Thanksgivings and all of you listeners out there enjoyed your Thanksgivings. But uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to today. Um, Oregon going into the Rose Bowl after beating Utah in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. We'll get to that here in the opening segment. because <laughs> Yes, Utah no longer in the culture ball playoff picture after losing to the Ducks on Friday. We'll get to that here in the first segment because we got that to get to. We have the College Football Playoff Committee show is happening right now on ESPN. We will find out who will be making the College Football Playoff. Well, we already know who's making the College Football Playoff, but we'll find out in what specific order they're going to be in, as I believe one, two, and three could have changed after yesterday's game. So we'll get to that next. We've got our Fantasy Scramble coming up at 930 for all of you guys who are in the playoffs. Sadly, that is not going to include me this year. I had a very, very bad luck season. Uh, in my main league and uh, just uh, did not make the playoffs. So that's, that's okay. But I'll help you guys out either way. We're shot and Jesse both in the playoffs. I, I assume. So yeah. Yeah. got two teams uh, in the playoff this year. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't you're know in it. We'll see like the today's game is going to be really important and we'll, we'll see what's up. So big running, running back questions. Well, we'll, we'll get to those at nine 30. And then also remember we started this and then went off the air for a couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to give a couple of, against the spread picks that we like in the Oregon lottery scoreboard app. Yeah. So uh, we'll do that in the 945 segment. And the NFL-wise, we've missed a lot. Uh, the Ravens keep winning. Lamar Jackson looks amazing. And I want to have an apology segment for Lamar Jackson because I and many others were mm -hmm. full on board on the he's not going to be any good train. And uh, I think it is a totally valid time to fully eat crow and say, you know what? We were wrong. That's a that's we very big in, of you. We who disliked didn't dislike, but said Lamar Jackson wouldn't be good. That's invested in him this year. That's big of you guys. That dude's literally just single handedly made me the number one seed in one of my leagues. Like he's he's, really he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. And and the fact is the fact is is the maturation under center, like sure he's got some games like last week where he only threw for like hundred and five yards or something, but he really is doing uh huge leaps and bounds improvements under center. It's, imp it's impressive. So we want to talk about that. Uh, we got Russell Wilson, who continues to help the Seahawks win. They've got a big game against the Rams today, so we'll get to that. That's coming up after us, by the way, with uh, pregame at 11 a.m. Uh, actually, no, that is Sunday Night Football tonight, isn't it? Rams? Seahawks, you're doing yeah. the game, right? Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah, Sunday Night Football. Not not right after us. Sunday Night Football tonight is Rams-Seahawks. So we'll talk about that as well. And then we have Hater Love It at 1030. So there's a ton of football to get to. Uh, we're going to start with the Ducks, but quickly, yeah, everything in the studio has changed. We have uh, new hanging mics uh, in this studio, which we used to, this is totally radio porn for anybody who's like super interested in the behind the scenes stuff, but 
Uh, yeah, somebody's like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, tell me about oh, that. Tell me about that radio equipment you got in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, we used to have mics that sat on the desk. They were on these saucers that were about 35 pounds, and they took up a ton of space, and they just sat on the desk. You couldn't move them. They were just where they were. And they were fine, right? We've been using that for basically the entire existence of this show. So we had gotten used to it. But uh, the man who gets things done around here, Isaac Robb, has been asking for years to get hanging mics in here. And the new man who gets things done, Jeff McGinley, our new engineer, I uh, was like, okay, so here we are. We have two We have two new hanging mics for the main uh, main hosts. The hanging mic in Jesse's studio has been moved uh, to the left. Instead of blocking the window between the, between the two rooms, we now have a full clear view of the beautiful Broncos gear he is wearing. And the now defunct Emmanuel Sanders jersey that he's wearing. Yeah, but I mean, it's a Super Bowl jersey. Though, it's so. a Super Bowl jersey, Super Bowl Fifty jersey, Super Broncos Super Bowl winners of Super Bowl Fifty. So you know, special special moment. Who, who won Super Bowl Fifty? The Broncos. Oh, okay. Broncos I won it. I wasn't sure. Yeah. 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 Anyways, yes. Uh, the, Not forty nine, but 50. I, I wore this exact outfit this exact way last week. Drew Locke got his first win, so I just figured up. I'll layer it up uh, the exact same way as last week and see how that goes. All right. That's good. Uh, can I say this? We look professional now. We look super legit in here. For for years since we've been, which is like five years for me. And uh, Jesse, how long has it been for you? Uh, I think I'm coming up on seven. Oh, wow. I'm pretty close right. to seven now. But, yeah, those, those big blocky things on the table all the time. And, you know, you couldn't really – it's hard to move and things are super, super heavy. If you accidentally knock it over, that was really like that, heavy. They're, they're really loud. So I don't understand why it was as heavy as it was. It did not need to be that heavy, but uh, no, it was, but this, these are, these are cool. Well, yeah. and let's face it. Isaac and Suk every once in a while have a propensity to kind of, you know, mash on the desk there. And if you were going to like pound your fist on the deck, it actually came through the mic when you were listening on the other end. I'd, I would always be, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But mm. with these, Mash away. I just pounded you the desk. Just, now it's just going to sound like somebody's yeah, pounding a desk pounding. in the background. So it's going to be the right noise. Yeah, see, that, no, that's the right noise right there. Yeah. yeah. It's not just like clunk, 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 clunk of the, of the mic, so. See, that's a funny thing that I never even thought of. I didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you once go. it go into the radio point, when you're listening, you also, you know, in the industry, you might listen and hear things that you but, don't well, normally would think to listen for. But also, there's a there's a brand new smell. That oh, it's not great. I don't. I, I've never smelt it before. But we walked into I'll be honest, the studio, I don't like it. and I went, "Oh no!" And usually, the smell that we walk into is the smell of multiple men who have been in one room for a long amount of time the day before, because well, Ducks football is on Saturdays, and there's usually like. I don't know, like 11 hours of coverage on Saturday, right? So there's guys in here for a long time, and there's food, and they're farting most likely, and it's just, I understand why there's a smell. But yesterday, there was no Ducks game. Yeah, this is different. Friday, there was the Ducks game. Yesterday, it was early morning show, and that was it, as far as I know, unless other people were in here using it to record stuff, which is possible. Um it smelled really, really, really bad in this room. <laughs> yeah, and, and it smells like, I don't know if you guys have ever had, like, uh, left your pumpkin out for too long, you know, past the holiday or whatever the case is, and uh, it kind of has that weird smell. Like, this is, like, something fermenting or something like that. Like, this is not a, yeah, an it's awesome not... smell. Like, you, you had the door open, and it was great for a minute, but now I'm starting to be like, uh, well, there, because there it comes. There I, it could, I could conceivably leave the door open for the entire show, it would just be bad for the it, acoustics. It, it wouldn't be great. Uh, we had issues, which you got to miss, luckily, um, because the uh, the last week we, we did a show, you were out, 
and it was hotter than hot in these rooms. Jesse, you'll remember that day. It was like sweltering in here because the air was broken. There was no air at all in the building, so it just became really stale and hot. It smelled terrible, and when that was happening uh, in the other room where Jesse is now where I sit during primetime, I left the door open the entire show because I wanted it to not be 900 degrees. And I'm only talking like once every once in a while so I could leave it open and it wouldn't affect too much. But if you're in here doing the show, you can't leave the door open. No. So every break, I'm going to go ahead and prop it open, and we're going to clear some of whatever this funk is out of here. And uh, hopefully by the end of today and tomorrow, it'll be gone. Fingers so crossed. that Cam's not mad at us yes, for nothing. Cam, we didn't do it, right? Yes, Cam, I'm, I'm this is not know. us. We walked in and the smell had already existed. Yes. And we also didn't put the hanging mics in if you hate them. Sorry. Yeah, wasn't wasn't us, but that was that was just uh, to let you know. that was that was engineer Jeff. So, yell at him if you want to yell at anybody. Okay, uh, let's take a break. Coming up next, Oregon beating Utah Woo. in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. Where was that offense all year long? But boy, oh boy, did the defense come back in spades. That's next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Pac-12 championship game from Friday in the books in Oregon's favor. As they, frankly, didn't really have any issues with Utah at all and beat them 37-15 final score. There's a couple of prevailing thoughts on this game that... I feel like have become the main talking points, but there's one thing that I think is kind of, it's not really being overlooked, but I feel like should be the main talking point. And it's that Oregon's defense from the beginning of the year came back in this game. Oregon's defense was struggling a little bit. It was still a good defense, but it was struggling in the kind of last quarter of the season. I look at Arizona state who just threw the ball over the top of them over and over and over again. and was able to win that game, the huge game that affected Oregon's playoff chances. But if you watch that game on Friday, I mean, Utah could do nothing on offense. They got a couple touchdowns, sure. But, I mean, these were their drives. I'm just going to read them off. Stopped on fourth down. Three and out. Uh, four plays and a punt. Interception. Three and out. Stopped on fourth down. Punt. Touchdown. Stopped on fourth down. Touchdown. Punt. Punt, interception, stopped on fourth down. Every single time they went for it on fourth down, the Ducks stopped them. They were in the backfield going after Huntley like crazy. Kayvon Thibodeau had the best game of his young career so far. He's constantly in the face of Huntley. They were able to stop Zach Moss, who had been the, an elite rusher and is probably the best rusher in the Pac-12. Now, he sure, his numbers are still good, 19 carries, 113 yards, but watching the game, it didn't feel like he had an effect on the game. He had two or three really long runs, but it didn't amount to anything. And that was the thing where sometimes the numbers are misleading when you look at the box score after a game. It didn't feel like Zach Moss had that much of an effect. Brady Breeze had a coming out party. How about that for the Absolutely. Central Catholic player? Man. He was everywhere on the field and very fortunate to not be ejected for targeting. Um <laughs> That happened in the, what was that, the second quarter or first quarter? It was at, I think it was the first quarter. It was after he made the huge stop on fourth down on the on the Utes' first drive. Goes in late, gets the helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit. They didn't call it targeting, which was 
uh, I think, very fortunate. I think that was – I don't know if it was clearly targeting, but I, I would not have been surprised if they had th- thrown him out of the game for that. And he was absolutely huge. So he and Thibodeau were, were animals out there. Troy Dye making an interception with the with – the, uh, with, with, the the, with, the on, with the club on, with the club on his Troy Dye is a G. Like, well, what? A, I mean, and really, I hope Oregon fans have appreciated Troy Dye for the four four years he's been here. That's exactly what I was about to say, man. This is a guy that's played so hard, and at a time where Oregon was still really looking to find their identity again, you know, really switching identities from the Chip Kelly era, the losing Helfrich era, and then you get a guy like Troy Dye who for four years has just been phenomenal for your defense. So, I mean, sometimes like guys like. Um, Ifo Ikpre Olamu, you know, some of these dudes that come through Oregon or Oregon State or some of these players that have, have real impacts on the overall culture. And I think Troy Dye, if this defense is great now, I think it's because you built it on guys like him. So, man, congratulations on, on a great four years. And hopefully, maybe, I don't know, I haven't seen anything in mock drafts in third and fourth round, but maybe he'll end up on the next level. He's going to end up somewhere at some point. He's had too impressive of a career and had big moments and big games um, that at some point he'll take a flyer. But, yeah, there's no talk of him being like a a big-time prospect going into the next level, which is, to me, slightly surprising. He has been like at – like I'm going to go ahead and say his sophomore year, he basically carried that defense. There there was a major deficiency um, on on the defensive side of the ball there after after Helfridge left, and – um, he was kind of the one bright spot that was continually making plays game in and game out. And I think that how good this defense is kind of overshadowed how good he's continued to be this year. And you're looking at a guy who's been one of the best middle linebackers since he's been on the field in the college football. Now, whether he's got the speed, the size to play at the next level, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, measure those stats but he's definitely got the iq to do it so the defense was awesome and that to me was the huge takeaway of the game uh offensively the the big talking point is has once again been negative against marcus arroyo which in some ways i'm fine with because well he's been inconsistent this year as an offensive coordinator but where was this all year where was justin herbert keeping on these run pass options Uh, or on the or on the uh or, or any of the fake plays that they have where was he running he, had, he didn't run all year, and they come out on the very first drive, and, and Herbert keeps it almost every single time, and he was able to get yards effectively, and it caused Utah's defense all sorts of issues because they weren't expecting it. But everyone was screaming at the top of their lungs all year for Herbert to keep the ball because those plays weren't working because no defense believed Herbert was keeping it, so C.J. Verdell ran into a pile every single time or whoever had the ball ran into the pile every single time. All of a sudden, Justin Herbert keeps the ball. He only ran seven times, but he was effective with it. And now C.J. Verdell gets 200-plus yards rushing. Now, some of those were chunk plays, right? He had two very long rushes near the end of the game. But all of a sudden, it was more effective. And, oh, would you look at that? You showed some balance in, in the run game, and now all of a sudden the running game is working again. It also helps that your offensive line was back and fully healthy. Jay Hansen starting at center was helpful as well. But... That was the big talking point was, really? You wait till now when you've already got two losses and can't make the college football playoff game to let this go? Like, I get it was a big game, and you're still going to make the Rose Bowl with the win, which is huge. But thanks for waiting till now, Marcus Arroyo. I mean, I think there's some of that. Uh, I think there's also a little bit of Herbert maybe not wanting to, with especially with the offensive line and the run game not being 
really as strong as we're used to seeing, you know, the Ducks run game be. It's probably a little, you know, hesitation on Herbert's part to to keep the ball, to tuck and run. And Herbert's somebody that's been banged up and missed a lot of season, you know, based on, uh, what, I think it was a shoulder injury. Is that what he had a couple years ago when he missed the, like, half the season? Yeah, because he, he ran yeah. the ball. He the, was running into the, the ball. end zone and, and, and I, it was a clavicle, clavicle or something. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, so I think that's in his head a little bit. And also, you know, this is the second to last game of Herbert's career. You know, maybe now's and there's been more and more talk every week. Herbert's not good. Herbert's not mobile. He can't. Well, yeah, maybe in my second to last game against this great defense, I show exactly how mobile, you know, I can be. And you're crazy if you think just a little bit. Now, I saw some people on social media that are still just not Justin Herbert believers. And a part of me understands that. You know, a part of me kind of. I think you can include me in that now. I, I, I have very strongly switched my opinion this season on Justin Herbert in terms of NFL talent. I think he is I think he is a prime bust candidate in the NFL because he can't he can't throw under pressure. That's the biggest thing and guess what he's going to face in the NFL almost 100% of the time pressure. Yeah, but the one thing he's also going to have in the NFL is is better athletes. And for a long time this season Herbert didn't have a number 1 receiver and it was just kind of making it happen like mind you he lost an Auburn game and that they should have won and and it wasn't because of Herbert that they went conservative that's just what Arroyo and Cristobal decided to do which I think has to get just I mean I know we're praising him today they're on their way to the Rose Bowl for the first time in I don't know how many years since it's been since the Ducks have been in the in the Rose Bowl Qu- quite a while then early 2010 2011 somewhere around there but outside what was of that, the game it was the Fiesta Bowl when they played Florida State right in the uh, college football playoff. playoff yeah that was the Fiesta Bowl I believe so okay so I mean I, I think there's just a little Hesitation on Herbert's part, which I would definitely understand, especially after going through a, a clavicle injury. You don't want to get hurt your senior year, uh, especially with the line not being great, with your run game not being awesome, with your receivers being, you know, subpar for most of the season. You know, we saw uh, last night uh, Johnny Johnson uh, the third and Juwan Johnson. Though they Jalen Red, you got a got a couple of really good, you know, receivers right there. Like just lots, think, lots of drops though. Just, uh, lots of drops, but just think of, you know, the continuity they would have been able to develop if he had them all season as opposed to getting them I, I want to say it was like week 6 or week 7 when he had everybody. So, I don't know. I think Herbert still has a lot of potential. He's going to be playing with much better athletes, hopefully better coaching depending on where he goes. Um and it's a good thing for him if he drops in the draft and gets to go to a better team that needs a quarterback or needs a quarterback in waiting, then that can be a good thing for him. No, Herbert. that's what I was just thinking. Just think about a team like, uh, let's say, I mean, honestly, you could also say maybe not even, uh, uh, like they're, you're going to have obviously Cincinnati looking for a quarterback. You could even feasibly see um, if the right guy's there, Washington doing the same thing that, um, Arizona did and say, you know what? This just isn't the guy. Everybody was right. He's too raw, maybe not quite ready. Dwayne Haskins is out. Look at this guy. You know, because honestly, I think that there's going to be GMs there too that are going to look at um, a guy like Tua still, and they're going to be like lottery ticket. He's going to get healthy and think about what he's going to, because look at what these guys are doing that can run in the league now, blah, blah, blah. And I could see Herbert fall a little bit and uh, end up on a team just like Aaron Rodgers did where, you know, a year or two, we're, we're going to need a quarterback. Here's a great guy to be the heir apparent um, or even a, a team like the, the Chargers who aren't going to have like a top five pick, but they obviously probably need a quarterback and maybe they're not going to move on from Rivers right away, but they have a lot of talent in all the places. So I think that 
Rashawn's right. With falling, he ends up in a better spot with better offensive line, better receivers, better running backs, better defense, better coaches, better front office, and all of that around him gives him a better opportunity to succeed at the next level. It would be the best thing for him, I think. Um, It was the best thing for Lamar Jackson. It was. I just don't know if it's going to happen because he's still considered in NFL scouting circles as a top quarterback. Yeah, but with guys like you think about like – uh, I can't even Burrow, think of it. Burrow, uh, who wasn't even really even thought of at the beginning of the season. Now people are like, well, I don't know. I like that Fromm kid out of Georgia, although after yesterday, I don't know, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there this was considered to be a really rich quarterback draft where there was five, six guys that were considered top first round talent. And he was one of those guys. And with five, six guys, some of those guys are going in the, you know, that 20, 25, 30 range. And and he could be one of those guys because he did fall off. That's one of those things. I listen to a lot of Denver radio, right? They're obviously talking about this a lot. They they were like, oh, man, no, we don't want anything to do with Herbert. You see what he did against Arizona State? Oh, look at uh, oh against oh, 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 Oregon State? Oh, yeah, we don't want that guy. Another and, couple prime examples are guys like Aaron Rodgers, who we were for sure is going, was going to go at the top of the draft and then fell and end up – being the best thing for him because he fell to a team that had all the tools. And he well, fell he to had a to team. sit on the bench for what, four years? Three, three he years. sat on the bench for three years, but I mean, it was Brett Favre. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, no, I know. I'm, yeah. not, I'm saying that was good. Yeah, no, and I think that was, and that's another thing. And this is un, the unfortunate part of being a, a good young quarterback in college is congratulations, you play for the Browns or you play for the Titans now or you play for a team that has no real direction, that doesn't have a head coach that seems competent. And you're going to get beat up in there. And then what do we say? And Josh Rosen's a bum. Josh Rosen does not know how to play football. He but he hadn't been coached. And the NFL is much different than a college system. And so these kids never get a chance to develop. Like only how many special, special quarterbacks have come in from their rookie year? And just I can think of a couple, man. Or first year, second year, Russell Wilson, uh, Tom Brady. Outside of that, Brady got in like his second year and then just never looked back. Outside of that, like how many great quarterbacks have taken over for somebody their first year or second year? Terry Bradshaw, maybe? I mean, and how it, long did Bradshaw can, struggle? You, you can say Ben Roethlisberger. 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 There was, there was immediate winning. You, you know, know what I'm saying? And, but the list is so short that you could name like those guys. And uh, oftentimes we we hope these young guys get into the situation and they're just going to kind of figure it out. Like Jameis Winston doesn't have it all the way between the years, but – him going to Tampa for all those years with just no direct, probably wasn't the best idea. Well, Mariota had the same issue Mariota, too. the exact same thing. By so, the way, I mean, the report is that the Titans are going to try to sign Tannehill long-term, so bye-bye Mariota. Yeah, so, and, you know, well, what Tennessee, happens when you, you know, you, you just never give your uh, – you have no identity on your offense, you know. Like, uh, Tennessee's the perfect example of a place that – we don't know what the heck we're doing. We spend a second round pick on a running back and we don't use them for three years. And then the end of the third year, we're like, Oh, this guy's actually pretty good. And for the last, you know how many got, how many yards that guy's ran for in the last 16 games. Who are we talking about? Uh, um, Henry. Oh, he's been, a he, he's, monster. he's ran for over 1700 yards in his last 16 NFL games. Yeah. And like 18 touchdowns. And they literally just, yeah, you know what? We got DeMarco Murray, or, uh, Murray on, you know, let's just have Henry on the bench for like two and a half years. And, and oh, wait, wait. Maybe we, that helped Derrick Henry. We, we, <laughs> we signed Deion Lewis. So this is what happens when you get first round talent that goes to these franchises. They don't know what they're doing with any of their players. Right. And so if, if, if he does fall, like once again, you go, you think about a, a like 
we're bring back Lamar Jackson. Like, you know what? We we got all of these pieces. The one thing that we don't think we have anymore is a quarterback. And guess what? They didn't have a quarterback anymore. We found that out here in Denver. Right. But but that that's a team right there that was like they were smart enough to go, we have all of these pieces, let's invest, let's go back, give some pieces back to this team, move back into the draft, let's get that fifth-year option, and let's make him our future. And that future, I think, came sooner than they anticipated, but that's, I think, because he was better than they thought. Uh, we'll get to more Lamar Jackson, too, in the second hour of the show. But uh, quickly, the, this is what I was kind of thinking about this week. And it's not necessarily a, an indictment. It's not a worst-case scenario or anything, but... I think Justin Herbert's ceiling from what I've seen in college, maybe not ceiling, his most likely finishing point is like Jared Goff, right? Goff made a huge amount of money. He had signed a big contract with the Rams. He looks good sometimes, but Goff cannot throw an under pressure, which we've seen Justin Herbert struggle with. He's tall like Jared Goff, throws a good football like Jared Goff. That's just kind of what, from watching him play this year, I was like, man, when he has open receivers, he looks awesome. Guess who looks awesome with open receivers and no pressure? Jared Goff. When there's pressure, he doesn't look awesome. <laughs> he throws the ball behind guys. He throws the ball low. That's what Justin Herbert does with pressure, too. I, that's kind of where I was leaning towards. It's not a terrible thing, right? Jared Goff is still a good quarterback. What's his, uh, but, what's his completion percentage? His career completion percentage? Who? Well, I'm, Which Herbert. one? Herbert? Yeah. That's all I really care about. What is it, 70-something, 60-something? Yeah, like, that's what I care about because the completion percentage is, it, is what one is it, thing. What is it, 60-something? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. It's like 68 70%, something like that. That's something that's very hard to improve. And, and you know, like we all got excited about Daniel Jones in his first game, right? Like, oh, look how good Daniel Jones is. And all of a sudden he's throwing interceptions left and right. He's fumbling the ball left and right. He can't complete 60% of his passes. Guess what he never did in college? He never completed 60% of his passes. So what makes Herbert you is a career 60, as I'm just guessing here based on the numbers, like 63%. All right, so he's over. He's over sixty-three percent. That's actually not necessarily as good as I, I thought I would. But you he was only fifty-nine percent last year. You need him at sixty-two percent. You know, he had probably like I would say like sixty drop balls last year. It was ridiculous. Um, that's the one thing that's hard hard to say. You know, you, you have to take that into account as well. With and but I I think Daniel Jones basically was a career fifty-eight percent completion percentage guy. Cam Newton was like a career 58% completion guy. And what happened to these guys? They don't come into the league and all of a sudden they're completing 65% of the passes. They're completing 58% of their passes, which isn't enough. You need at least 62% in the NFL to be a good quarterback. Yeah, but when you talk about, and I know we have to break, but when you talk about guys like Jared Goff, when you talk about guys like Cam Newton, it's also important to say that these are Super Bowl competing quarterbacks. These are guys that got to the dance, where regardless of what you want to say, like if you get into the right situation. That's why I said golf is not which, the worst if, comparison. If you, if you get into the right situation, you know, a la Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, you know, just happen to be on the right team and be able to, to be a game man. It, that's, that's incredibly possible to happen. And I just think that's the one thing that this could be a good thing for Herbert. I just like, I think it was a good thing for Lamar Jackson that he happened to fall to John Harbaugh, who's to me, in my opinion, the most underrated coach in all of, uh, the NFL like when you talk about great coaches Harbaugh's name you talk about Jim but people very seldom bring up John Harbaugh's name which is a travesty to me because this is a dude that's won a Super Bowl with 
a quarterback that nobody really wanted and somebody like Joe Flacco and showed exactly what he could do with good defensive players, you know, in the right spots, a la Ed Reed and and uh, the other guy. I don't really like him too much, but Ray Lewis. So it's one of those things, man. I think this could be a good thing for Herbert and, you know, hopefully he can – it, it totally Stick could somewhere. be a great thing for Herbert. I mean, do you, do you, I mean, if you're Herbert, do you want to go to Cincinnati or Miami or no, no, none of those places have anything that you need to be successful. I mean, I would even say, you know what? Like you don't want to go to a place like Denver, which has probably better wide receiver talent, better running back talent, but that offensive line's trash. And once again, do you want to put Herbert behind that offensive line? No, because I mean, uh, so yeah, falling in the draft, going to a better team is always the better opportunity. Or falling in the draft and having a team moving back up and getting you after they've they've addressed something is is a better opportunity for a quarterback coming to the league if he's a first round talent. Uh, guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, they have the ability to overcome those deficiencies because they're legs. And now, granted, we saw last on Friday night that Herbert can move with his legs, but it's not the same thing. This text quickly, and then we'll break. Uh, he's going to kill the combine. He'll be better there than in games. That's the one thing that makes me worry for Herbert is he, he he throws the ball as well as anybody I've seen in a long time. Like, it's such a perfect, pretty spiral when he throws the football. It's like, ooh, what a great pass. He's tall. He's strong. He's got great arm strength. I mean, he is going to kill the combine, and that could very quickly rise the stock back up to the Cincinnati Bengals and Miami Dolphins of the world which would not be the best case scenario for him. All right, let's break. Coming up next, we do have our fantasy scramble, but we also have the official college football playoff top four, which we'll tell you about right at the beginning. This is Football Sunday. Here's Jesse with sports. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. And the only reason my team finishes terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Text in your fantasy football start sick questions. We'll get to as many as we can here in these next two segments, but uh, we do have to start with, before we get to these, uh, we'll probably actually, based on the timing of how long we went last segment, we'll probably just do this next segment. But uh, we got the college football playoff officially set in stone, one through four. Now we knew who the four teams were after yesterday. Georgia losing to LSU meant they were out. That was their second loss. And that meant that the winner of the Big 12 title game would be in. That was Oklahoma. So your four are number four, Oklahoma, number three, Clemson. And then there was a change. Number two, Ohio State, number one, LSU. Ohio State struggled with Wisconsin yesterday and uh, was able to come back and win, but it was a close game, whereas LSU had absolutely no issues with Georgia. So LSU leapfrogs them to become the number one team. So the matchups will be LSU, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Clemson on December 28th. Good games. Couldn't couldn't have asked for better games, in my opinion. Those are going to be great games. Looking forward to that. Especially, I really want to see the Ohio State-Clemson game. Oh, I, I think both games will be spectacular. Think about the two offenses from LSU and Oklahoma. That could be a really high scoring, fun game. And then, yeah, Ohio State, Clemson. The funny thing about Clemson this year is that no one's given them really any love. And they're the defending champions, undefeated. You yeah. Know, so. And the I understand the ACC's bad, uh, very bad. My own team's in it and sucks. Um, but there were some stats that were floating around. 
and it, this was a couple of weeks back, but it was uh, might have even been a month and a half back at this point. It was Clemson last year and this year at the exact same point in the season. Their stats were damn near identical, and all that had changed was the perception. Last year, all oh my god, Clemson's so good. Look at Cle- oh my god, and this year for whatever reason, the fact that they almost lost to North Carolina, everyone was like, ah, Clemson's not that good. Well. Every year, Clemson has a close game in the ACC. Guess what? It's tough to dominate every single game in your conference. It's really hard. Uh, Oregon and Utah learned that this year, in the Pac-12 especially. Um, it's really, really difficult to do that. So Clemson's perception changed, but they're the same team. And guess what? They have Trevor Lawrence, who all of a sudden is no longer the most talked-about quarterback, even though he probably should still be because he's amazing. Um, but all of a sudden, he's not even considered anymore, Right but he's, he's still Trevor Lawrence. So I think you got to really keep an eye out for Clemson this year because everyone's overlooking them, but they're just as good as they were last year. You're talking about a team that's beaten Ohio State, or excuse me, beaten uh, Alabama twice, you know, and in the national championship. So it's it's one of those things. Like, this is a, a really talented team. I think it's almost kind of like a Pac-12 thing. There's not a lot of respect for the ACC, even though there's been some good teams to come there out of the There should not ACC. be. It's not a very good you know, conference. No, it's not. But there have been some good teams over the past few years that, you know, represent the ACC. The number one team, obviously, being uh, Clemson. But Florida it's kinda, State with Jameis was yeah, up there, obviously. It, it's kind of like the Pac-12. Like, you know, every year, like, oh, there used to be it's Oregon or Stanford for a long time. Those were the two Pac-12 teams that would be represented. Now it's been U, uh, UW and Oregon again. So it, it's... it's those are outside of those two schools. Everybody's like, oh, everybody else in the conference is trash, and they may be right. You know, nobody wants to. Is Rutgers in your in the ACC? Rutgers in the Big Ten. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers oh, is in the Big Ten. Okay, so yeah, it's it's. Dang, I don't. Even, I can't even remember who exactly is in the ACC. I'm trying to. I'm trying, wait. Miami. Yep. Um, Virginia Tech. Yep. We mentioned Clemson, Clemson Florida State. Florida Duke. State. Um, Duke. Duke. <laughs> you can't forget Duke. Duke. Um, North Carolina. North Carolina State. Syracuse. Pitt. Boston College. Trash, trash. You should know trash, this trash, one. Trash, trash, You should know this one. Wake, wake. I know. I'm, yeah. That's what I'm I saying. Know, that's what I'm saying. Like wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. not naming them all for you now. Virginia. <laughs> no. It's not It's not a very good conference right it's now. It's a power no, conference, and so, And man. I think people think because they ran through this uh, that conference that, well, they're not that good in the first place. Much like people saw uh, U of O with, you know, an 11 or, excuse me, a 10-1 and one at that point record. It's like, yeah, they're, they're but, it's, but it's Oregon. They're the Pac-12. Pac-12 is, is better than the ACC, though. I mean, the, the depth-wise, it's better than the ACC for sure. All right, so uh, quickly, predictions. Now that we know the, the top four, what's your prediction? Um, I'm taking Ohio State over Clemson. Okay. I think this Ohio State team is – I've only seen them play like two or three times, but it's one of the most talented Ohio State teams I've ever seen. Um, so I'm going them over Clemson, and then I'm going to take uh, man, I'm I'm going Oklahoma over LSU. I don't know why, but Jalen Hurts is somebody who's been there before in this exact game before and won one of these before. So I'm going to take that leadership over anything that LSU has. LSU is so good though, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go opposite and say okay ohio state over clemson oklahoma over lsu and then ohio state wins i'm gonna go the opposite of you lsu over oklahoma and clemson over ohio state and then lsu wins lsu man they are something different now their defense is no longer the lsu defensive old 
um, because their style of play has changed pretty drastically. But they're still really a really, really good team. And Joe Burrow, he's got that something special going on right now. He is unbelievable to watch. So LSU over Clemson, my pick in the college football playoff championship game. All right, fantasy scramble will be next. We are we do we do see your questions on the Better You Today text line at five five three zero five. We'll get to them next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, let's dive into the fantasy scramble here as we see your questions. And we will get to as as many as we can. Uh, The first one that came in, non-PPR, I have a running back and a flex open. Austin Eckler, Phillip Lindsay, Jarvis Landry. Which two? Um... That's actually pretty tough because none of those guys have been exactly world beaters. Um, Jarvis Landry has been really, really good the last few weeks. Helps when you're uh, number two or, well, I guess the number one has a sports hernia. Apparently been playing through it all year as Little Beckham Jr. announced today. Uh, but it's hard to trust the Cleveland offense, I guess is more my point. Uh, and earlier in the year, he was pretty, pretty mediocre and he's been really good lately. The non-PPR part of that is what scares me because Jarvis Landry is a PPR monster, um, but he also has two, three, four, five touchdowns in the last six weeks. So that obviously helps. Um, Philip Lindsay has not scored a touchdown in like five weeks. Austin Eckler is, I think, a generally bad non-PPR play, but he's been getting so many yards receiving that it's kind of erasing the fact that he's he's getting all of his yards on catches and he's getting touchdowns as well. This is a really difficult one for me. Um I think I'm going to go Eckler and Landry. Oh, I'm for sure going to go Eckler and Landry. Um, If you look at any of the fantasy um, projections for the week, uh, Eckler in most projections is the top 15 running back for the week. So I'll probably go Eckler. And then for me, Jarvis Landry is actually on my fantasy team. and He's been outside of Christian McCaffrey, the most consistent person uh, on the fantasy team, especially if it's a PPR. So I'm going to say Eckler and Jarvis Landry. Um, this one is really hard for me in it. I mean, basically non PPR. I think the value of the wide receiver obviously is a little diminished. The, what the value of the running back is a little bit higher due to the touches and basically wide receivers need to get in the end zone and they have less opportunity to do that. Um, and you have to take into account that I think, you, you have Njoku coming back this week. I really like the matchups for Austin Eckler. I really like the matchup for Philip Lindsay this week. Um, and, you know, you got you got Juwan James coming back on that for right tackle for the Denver Broncos. It's really tempting to throw Philip Lindsay in there over Landry. I'm definitely going to throw Austin Eckler in there. He's just been too good, and I know he's been more receiving, but – he gets so much receiving work, and he does get enough running work. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but that Jacksonville defense front seven has just been trash. Miles Jacks on the IR. Um, I'm definitely going to play Eckler, and I I would lean towards Lindsey just based on the non uh, the non PPR aspect of it. And uh, I I know he's going to be involved on the ground game. I know he's going to be involved in the passing game, and they give up yards, especially in the passing game, to running backs. 
Okay, next one is uh, Hunter Henry Austin Hooper. Who do I start? Uh, well, Hooper hasn't played for a bunch of weeks, but he is going to play this week against Carolina. Uh, he last played in week 10 uh, when he was on his stretch of a touchdown in four straight games. Hunter Henry played pretty poorly last week, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he only got two points, but previous to that, before the bye, he was averaging double figures, although it is a non-PPR league, which does uh, hurt him a little bit. I'm going uh, a little bit more towards the touchdown favorite here, and that would be Austin Hooper, in my opinion, over Hunter Henry, but a uh, very, very narrow choice for me. Um, Yeah, I'm probably going Austin Hooper as well. Um, I think I would probably go Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper just points per game at the tight end position has been the number one. They both have kind of a poor matchup. Um, neither defense has really given up a ton of yards to – um, tight ends, it, but honestly, neither one's really faced a lot. Uh, the only one that's really given up, you know, that, I, I would probably lean towards Hooper. I think he's got, they both have a bad matchup, but I think Hooper has a better opportunity of being involved in the offense and getting in the end zone. Non-PPR, Darren Waller or Mark Andrews. Uh, this one for me is, is it's again, razor thin, very close, but I'm going to go with the better quarterback in Lamar Jackson over Derek Carr. Although I think the Raiders are going to have a good bounce back game today after getting shelled by the Chiefs last week. Uh, Mark Andrews, I like that matchup, so I'm going Mark Andrews. Wait, what's the... I don't Mark Andrews, one. Darren Waller. Um, Mark Andrews. Uh, I mean, uh, th this is a hard one. You're, you probably got um, a slightly better matchup with, with Waller. Mark Andrews doesn't have a great matchup, and his targets have been admittedly down, but... There is one guy that Lamar Jackson looks for more than anybody in the red zone when he's when he's throwing touchdowns, and that is Mark Andrews. And I believe he has the best opportunity to get in the end zone over a Darren Waller. And I agree, he also has the better quarterback in Lamar Jackson. So I'll go with Andrews. As and well. then I'm assuming all three of us picking non PPR. It's the same different guy, same question. Eckler or Lindsey? I'm going Eckler. Uh, definitely Eckler. I'm gonna go Lindsey. Okay. Um, and and this is why because it's not PPR, sure and and honestly, uh, as great like this could this very well could be a Melvin Gordon game. They this Jacksonville gives up so many yards on the ground, and Melvin Gordon is their ground guy. Um, Austin Eckler is their their like through the air guy, and then Lindsey gets both. Man, Lindsey's going to get a ton of touches compared to I think. So I'll go Lindsay. All right, let's go rapid fire here as we're getting close to running out of time here. This is we got to see it. We're seeing a lot of Josh Jacobs and Eckler on the text line today. PPR Josh Jacobs or Eckler. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a true game time decision. I have not seen any sort of leans whether or not he's going to play or not. Uh, they play around the same time, so it's it's good. But the Chargers start 20 minutes earlier than the Raiders, so you're going to find out. You might miss Eckler if you're waiting for Jacobs. I'm going to go Eckler just to be safe and not miss on Jacobs sitting. I'm going to go Eckler as and well. And it's PPR, which helps Eckler. Obviously. I'm going to go Eckler as well. Yeah, and PPR, I'm definitely going Eckler. Um, I don't think you can play Jacobs, especially if he's a game-time decision. He can take one hit on that shoulder, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to go with Washington the rest of the way. And then uh, this one's Jacobs or Marlon Mack. You have to choose now because Mack plays in the early games. Again, I'm going to go away from Jacobs. I hate the true game-time decision. Hate it. No, Marlon Mack. I, I don't like this one either because I like Max not going to catch any balls, um, but he's got that broken hand. I'm worried about him fumbling that kind of stuff, but uh, I I'm going to go Mac as well. PPR Kenny Galladay or Jamison Crowder. So Galladay, David Blau, 
Blau. David Blau is still quarterback for the Lions. And, uh, hey, he showed he could throw the ball last week, but uh, it didn't win. Uh, but uh, he did get a touchdown and a very deep touchdown catch from David Blau. Now, Jamison Crowder in PPR is quite exciting sometimes as he gets up to 10 catches in games when Sam Darnold's laser focused on him. Uh, but uh, recently he has been very bad, and I'm going to go ahead and go with the better receiver, and that is Galladay. Uh, yeah, I'm going Kenny Galladay. Jameson Crowder's on my fantasy team, hasn't done well in the past couple of weeks. Kenny Galladay. Yeah, no, roll out Galladay. I, I think he has the ability to, to beat Rhodes. He's, Rhodes is not the same guy. This is a tough one. Which three, Dalvin Cook, Sonny Michelle, uh, Darius Geis, or Benny Snell? Um, the tough thing for me is, is Dalvin Cook fully healthy? Is he playing? Because I know he got hurt last week, and it was the same shoulder injury that he injured earlier in the year, and he said the pain was extreme, but it sounds like he's playing with absolutely no no listing on the final injury report. If that's the case, I'm starting Dalvin Cook no matter what. Obviously, he's one of the best fantasy running backs in the league. Uh, and then you got to pick two more. Oh, boy. Probably Sonny Michelle and Darius Geis. If I was picking, so there you go. There's my three. Yeah, Cook, Bell, and Geis, or Cook, uh, uh, uh Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle, and Darius Geis. All right, can you list them off one more time? Dalvin Cook, Sony Michelle, Benny Snell, Darius Geis. I'm gonna go Cook, Snell, Geis. Okay. Uh, How's that for rapid fire? That is rapid fire. Uh, oh God. Uh, non PPR: Odo Beckham Jr. or John Brown or Marvin Jones. So pick two of the three. So Beckham's been pretty bad uh, this year, and he just announced that he's been playing through a sports hernia. He has shown flashes of being the old Odo Beckham Jr. that we know and love, but uh, consistently getting in the single-digit points-wise is not something that you can trust. Now, he's playing Cincinnati. They have a terrible, terrible pass defense. But if he's playing through injury, it's like it's, it's a big risk. Um, John Brown's been whew, good for the Bills this year. He's the He's the one deep target that has been really really effective for them and he catches touchdown passes and he's got a 30 point game this year and a 20 point game this year and he's consistently getting eight plus points so i think for sure i'm playing john brown and then it's between marvin jones and odo beckham jr and i'm probably going to go with the better quarterback and that's mayfield instead of blau so odo beckham jr and john brown my choice uh odell beckham jr and john brown for sure i i I don't like it. Even with the sports. Hernia. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with John Brown and Odell, but I I'm gonna be I'm gonna do that with the understanding that I could see Jones have a bigger day than Odell. All right, there's the uh, fantasy scramble. Thank you guys so much. Uh, next week we'll be back, and uh, if you are in the next round of the playoffs, you can feel free to send in your start set questions. But uh, we only have a couple weeks left of this before the fantasy season ends in a couple weeks. Coming up next hour, let's switch to the NFL. I want to apologize to Lamar Jackson. He's absolutely insane, and I was super, super wrong. Uh, we got Rams and Seahawks tonight. Are the Rams as good as their record indicates? Or not the Rams, sorry. Are the Seahawks as good as their record indicates? We'll get to that, and then hate it or love it, it's at 1030. That's next hour here on Football Sunday on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.